Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome back, guys, on a wonderful Thursday to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5% in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Um, I am joined, as per usual, with Armani Buckets, Mr. Brandon uh Deutsch over here, but we have a special guest. Jake Dicker is back with us on this wonderful Thursday. Jake, how are you and how is college life right now? I am doing well. Um, just celebrated my 21st birthday last Saturday, which was a time. Um, we lost the football game, which sucked, but it was a good day. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's gone a little bit more busy. Classes are starting to ramp up a little bit, but um, I'm glad that I'm able to jump back on and see all your faces and hear your voices. It's uh, it's always a good time. Jake, I didn't know it was your birthday. I'm sorry, bro. I was texting about the Wisconsin game, and I was like, oh, I should have said happy birthday. That's more important. No, nah, you're, all, you're all good. Yeah, I'm not, I really not, drink. How is it? Uh, my first alcoholic drink ever was, you know, it was, it was strong. It was, that's what I'll, that's the word I'll use. Um, but no, I'm not a big birthday person. I have, I don't know if you guys know this about me either. I have a twin sister, so I've shared my birthday my entire life. So I'm just like not a big birthday person. Um, but yeah, but it was fun. How are you guys? Well, I, I mean, happy I'm, belated. I was just going to say the same thing. I'm like, Jake, man, we got, when you get back home, we got to live it up for you, dude. We we will do that for sure. Okay, let's get to the headlines brought to you by Circus Sports, Circus Millions, and Circus Survivor Pro. Football contests are back with twelve million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com for details. Let's do this. Guys, well, LeBron James and Chris Paul bo- both voiced their displeasure finally with the sanctions placed on Suns owner Robert Sarver. They both want the league to do more in this situation as they got it wrong, quote unquote, but Adam Silver continues to say it's not his call to force Sarver to sell the team. Will pressure from these high-profile NBA players force the NBA to do more, and what can they do to resolve the situation? I think, you know, I, I honestly think that this situation is just getting started. I know um, the precedent that was set with Donald Sterling, but this is a situation that we won't see the pressure really put on until the game start because that's kind of what forced Sterling out the door. Uh, the NBA was also kind of light on that punishment at first, and then once they saw the Clippers starting to protest and games were being sacrificed, then that's when the NBA was like, all right, we really have to drop the hammer. And if the Suns players decide to do the same thing, and if they decide to boycott the games and stuff like that, then I really think Adam Silver will have to reconsider it. 
Um, I, I didn't really understand what he meant by he couldn't do more in terms of like stripping Sarver of the team. I don't understand the legal uh, nature of it in that respect. But I, I know that Silver has tended to kind of sway against where the public wants him to go in these kind of matters, at least recently. So this is going to be a big moment for him in his uh, tenureship as commissioner, because if he doesn't get this right, I think public approval of him is starting to, to shift. Yeah, uh, I agree with absolutely everything that you just said. I think that we are headed for a, a you know Clippers Sterling esque situation where the players are clearly clearly upset with what's going on. You know, we've seen it with with Chris Paul and LeBron, and those are those are two big names. I mean, it's not like we're seeing guys who are you know at the end of the bench on other teams coming out and saying the league has to do more. This is the perennial greatest of all time in LeBron James and the starting point guard. Um, for the team that you know Sarver owns in the Phoenix Suns, I was I personally was was displeased with this. I think I didn't really understand Silver's comment either, saying that he couldn't do more because you know he's the commissioner of the league. There's there's power there, um, and, and there the NBA trying to cover up his comment at the press conference about how he holds owners to other standards with like a a four line notes app tweet that they sent out on Twitter. Um, just seemed lazy to me. Didn't like that either. Um, so I definitely think that this is just the beginning, as as Armand said, of what's going to become a very messy situation, um, not just in Phoenix, but with the league as a whole. And, and Adam Silver's not doing himself any favors. I think you're right about his his, his approval rating amongst fans is definitely trending uh, in the wrong direction with with the Sarver situation. I mean, you guys are 100. you you guys are yeah, so, sorry about that, but you guys are a little too young to uh, know of the era pre-Silver, um, but he, he's reverting back to that right now, which which is crazy to me. Uh, I, I He used to be on such a high, and, and you're right, he's he's going, he's reverting into the opposite direction. Um, do you think that there's anything that he could do to, like, turn turn back kind of the sands of time with this? Like, if he does actually make a, um, if, if he does actually finally make a decision? Well, there's, there's one thing that, like, interests me about this whole situation. During his press, press conference, he said the five-people committee that, you know, conducted this investigation said that Sarver's comments and, and actions weren't based on uh, racial or gender-based, you know, animus. Like, they weren't they weren't racially or, or misogynistically, like, driven, which didn't make sense to me because it seemed like it was obvious that they were. Um, and then saying that yeah he can't do anything for more power i mean he has more power like to be able to do something i think it's going to be this pressure that the players are going to put on him silver's tenure is kind of going like in a bad trajectory right now especially with everyone no one likes the in-season tournament let's just say that that was already like the nba is becoming a mickey mouse league everyone's saying that like what is this bs you know no one likes that and now with the sarver situation this is really going to define his tenure despite his first couple years as a commissioner being realistically the best commissioner in all of sports now he is going on this downhill trajectory and there's really something he's going to have to do i do think he has the power to do more um i think it's going to be more about players putting more pressure on on silver and as we get towards the season what is chris paul going to do in that locker room to enact um you know change in phoenix my my one thing with this whole story is that this story has been around for 
what, about a year now, and we've just been waiting on the conclusion of it, and you still had Kevin Durant wanted to go to the Phoenix Suns. So I, I want the players to be more congruent in where their stances are because it seems like it wasn't really an issue if KD wanted to go there, and now again, when, when, the, when the full story comes out, which I'm sure the players knew the details of, now they're upset again, which again, they should be upset. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be, but why did KD just put the Suns at the top of, of his list if they despise Sarver, if that if that makes sense? Yeah, I, th- I think that's more along the lines of, you know, Chris Paul being there or like the players being there more more, more so than um, maybe anything else. Um, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think... Um, when, I mean, when you're looking for a trade partner, especially if a guy, you know, KD's caliber, he wants to win. Um, I think it's kind of easy to look at the guys you're going to be playing with on the floor and maybe put, you know, the front office guys that are the owner that you're not going to interact with on a day-to-day basis, per se, kind of in the rearview mirror. Um, just because of how good, I mean, he would fit so well in Phoenix just from a from a basketball standpoint. Um, so I, I don't, I mean, I don't know what his thought process was putting that. I don't know if he considered it, but that that's my take on it i also i do think like chris paul you know how he was saying oh yeah he's he's displeased with how silver um came to this conclusion why i think it's different than the donald sterling thing is because despite sarver's racist and misogynistic actions and you know beliefs whatever you want to call them obviously i believe in second chances but it seems like this has gone on for way too long and way too often um but I think it's different because, in Chris Paul's perspective, because the Phoenix Suns organization is so well run. They got James Jones as the GM, now Monty Williams as the coach, right? These are guys that, you know, former black players that are in positions of power throughout the organization. I think that's why it's a little different. I'm not saying the Clippers didn't have that, but they had it to a much lesser extent where they weren't inclusive in certain aspects of their front office. And I'm not saying that's going to save Sarver from a boycott by Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns, but I, do th- I don't think there's any room for what Sarver has done. It seems like it's happened way too often. I do think he'll sell eventually and there'll be pressure by the players. But I also think that's why Chris Paul isn't alluding to going into you know the locker room and saying hey we're going to go into a lockout because look at how well run this organization is and that's why kevin durant wanted to go play and be a phoenix on well speaking of um the L- the la rams running back cam Akers said he didn't anticipate a limited role in week one as he thought he would be an integral part of the offensive scheme a lot of fantasy football managers thought the same thing when they drafted Akers in the third or fourth round to be the lead back in a dynamic Rams offense. But now that role belongs to Daryl Henderson Jr. Thoughts on this whole situation, guys? I'll, I'll start before Jake goes because I know Jake's super passionate about this and I know he knows a lot about this. But I, 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 I'm not going to say I told you so, but Grant and I did a podcast about four weeks before the season. I said Akers is the most overrated back in the league. He fumbles all the time. But again, it's like still he he was supposed to be an integral part of the offense. He was training hard all offseason. I wouldn't have drafted him in fantasy. I told fantasy managers on Grant and I's fantasy football podcast to stay away from him just because I did think they were going to split time. Um, but... At this, at, at this point, 
it's it, it must be sad for him because he prepared all offseason to have a larger role and he obviously doesn't have that jake what are your thoughts here yeah i mean i just don't think he's helping himself right i mean i don't know how much how much you watch during or after the week one game against the bills but i mean just even when he's not getting carries in the passing game i mean he is he's a horrendous blocker right which isn't going to help him stay on the field uh he was out touched 18 to 3 by daryl henderson wasn't targeted in the passing game um i mean they played an entire year without him last year right i mean he came back for the playoffs um wasn't a huge part of the of the run um to the super bowl but but was around it kind of seemed like he was going to you know come back and kind of retake over this rb1 role but daryl henderson's always been there and daryl daryl henderson has always been you know a very solid uh, running back in this system there was no reason to think coming into the year i agree with you you and grant by the way that this wasn't going to be a this was always going to be a committee right at least of some sort acres was never going to take 80% of the carries, 80% of the snaps. It was never going to happen. If anything, it was going to be more like a 60-40, and it just seems like Akers isn't doing the little things that he has to do well. Yeah, 100%. I think I was just saying, I was just going to add, I think fantasy managers are like, oh, okay, he's a good pass catcher. Well, congratulations. He also can't block. Did you see that formation where he was like 10 feet behind Matt Stafford and then, you know, the O-line compromised him. He had to throw it back and it was like minus 10 yards. That's why he didn't play. Like, he just wasn't, it didn't seem like, yeah, I say he was preparing all off season, but when it came to the time where he had to prove himself, he didn't do it. So his comments, you know, after McVay was like, you know, he wasn't prepared. McVay is, is a straight shooter, right? He probably told Akers, you didn't do yourself any favors, right? And for him to go out in the media and say, hey, I was expecting to be, it just sounds like, oh, poor me. Like, okay, go back to Florida State. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, like this is the NFL. <laughs> I think McVeigh's words that he needed to were that he needed to play with an increased sense of urgency, which I think is pretty spot on. Um, it, it goes along with what you're saying, where it, he kind of just. I don't want to speak for Cam Akers, but it just seemed from the outside looking in that he felt like this job was kind of just going to be handed back to him now that he was healthy, and that's not how professional sports work. I I did see the clip that you guys are referring to as well about him missing the pass block assignment, and that seems like. If uh, if I know anything about Sean McVay, and I'm not a Rams fan, he, he is probably a, a stickler for those little details. And when he saw that, I'm assuming that that was probably the end of Cam Akers' night uh, on the football field. I, I think that the season is a long season, and I think that Cam Akers will eventually get his opportunity to to prove himself in the backfield because I don't think Daryl Henderson or anybody else in that Rams backfield is going to dominate and run away with the starting job. Um, but this, this issue, I mean, the fact that Cam Akers was so highly touted going into the season, at least from a fantasy football standpoint, and that he didn't live up to it, now the pressure really comes down to just the Rams running game as a whole. If they can't figure out how to run the football, I know we were talking about Cam Akers, but if they can't figure out how to run the football, this team has much bigger issues than just yeah, Cam put too much, too much pressure on Stafford and the O line, and that's what happened in Week One. I think another thing is like if Cam Akers was a good blocker, you could forget like the little mistakes he's made with his runs, with his cuts, with you know the fumbles. Because Javante Williams for the Denver Broncos on Monday night, he fumbled the football, and he's by far one of the best running backs in the league, and Melvin Gordon was taking away snaps, and he had the opportunity to prove himself, and he also fumbled, right? So it was one of those things where, but he's a good he's a good um, blocker, 
and he's a good pass catcher off those cuts. So he continued to work hard. I think there was a difference with Cam Akers. Like once he wasn't getting the touches, he just was kind of lackadaisical about the whole offensive scheme, and it showed. If you would have well, told me after week one that Brandon and I with the Rams and Niners would be 0-1 and, and Armand and GA with the Steelers <laughs> and the Giants would be 1-0. And Bears. I, 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 and, the, and the Bears. Oh, my God. It's okay, Jake. It's a long season. The NFC is really weak. The Niners and Rams are still the two best teams in the NFC. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, Jake. I am right there with you. I, I still can't believe that the Giants are one and zero right now, and, um, and it's been since 2016 that we've been one and zero. So, um, I, I'm, I'm rolling with this right now. I'm, I'm very, very ecstatic, very, very happy about it. Um, I, I couldn't be happier with that Week One win. But like Brandon said, it's a very long season, so everybody needs to calm down. Um, moving forward, Keenan Allen has been ruled out for tonight. Big game against the Chiefs. Mike Williams only caught two passes for just 10 yards in last week's opener um, against the Raiders. Um, He will undoubtedly have to step up today. Guys, will he rise to the occasion? I think he will. I do. Um, You know, I was pretty high on Mike Williams going into the season for fantasy football. He's one of my league winners in one of my TikToks that did really well. And I, I stand by it. Yeah, you had a bad week one. That's typical Mike Williams. If you watched Mike Williams last year, or even had him on your fantasy team last year, sometimes he gets 30 fantasy points. Other times he gets three. That's just what happens. With Keenan Allen out tonight, I expect a larger role for not only DeAndre Carter, who, who did really well last week, or DJ Carter, whatever, you know, Carter last week, but Gerald Everett and Mike Williams. I expect to have huge days fantasy-wise and for the Chargers. And I expect the Chargers to actually win even without Keenan Allen tonight. I know I'm in the minority here. Everyone's kind of on the Chiefs, but I don't think people realize how bad of a football team Arizona is this year either. Um, if you're a betting man, getting four points with the Chargers tonight is a gift. I would be all over that. Uh, Chargers plus four. Justin Herbert's 2-0 and in Arrowhead in his career. I think the Chargers are just the better team. Take money line. Um, money line. Oh, they're going to win. Um, Mike Williams, I have him on my fantasy team. Big fan. Um, they ran some plays for him last week that were just covered very well, like designed for Mike Williams. These big yard plays were just covered very well. Didn't work out. Um, but he'll be the lead guy tonight. Also, another guy you didn't mention, um, Brandon, Josh Palmer, who is is a huge, uh, one of my biggest sleepers coming into the year. Um, I think is establishing himself as probably the, the number three without Keenan Allen. He's definitely the number two option um, for Justin Herbert tonight. Um, but Mike Williams, he's, I mean, he does what he has to get in a groove and he has these, these big explosive plays. Um, so if he can get going tonight, I think, I think he'll step up and I think the Chargers will be just fine. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Mike Williams is necessary, but I really think that this Chargers team, if they showed anything in week one, it's that they have, maybe it's not that they have so many options, it's maybe more so that Justin Herbert can make the options that they have look good. Like the guys you mentioned, DeAndre Carter, Gerald Everett. How about Trey McKitty? I mean, he he could, uh, with all the attention going towards everybody else, in, in two tight end formations, he might have a big night. And then obviously Austin Eckler catching passes out of the backfield as well. Mike Williams, without Keenan Allen to start the game, he definitely needs to step up and have a big night. But also, I, this Chargers team with Justin Herbert, I just, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't because Herbert can just pull rabbits out of a hat. Um, but unlike you guys, I'm still, uh, I'm going to go with Mahomes and the Chiefs tonight. 
thing, Armand? Like, what? <laughs> so, I... I think the game is going to come down to the Chargers D-line versus the Chiefs O-line. And I'm a Bears fan. I've seen Khalil Mack do some amazing things. And I've also seen him kind of be, I don't want to say a ghost, but he's kind of disappeared in some big moments as well. And this is a huge moment early in the regular season. Who's Jeez. kicking tonight for the Chiefs? Does anyone know? Exactly. That's exactly. a good point. That was a, gen- that, was a, that was a genuine question, by the way. I have no idea who's kicking for them. They signed them off the streets. Let's, I got to I got to figure this out. Um, taking the kicks tonight for the Chiefs is... I've never heard... There's, there's no one listed next to Bucker on the depth chart right now, so we'll find out if it's Justin Reed bombing kicks again. That was awesome, by the way, last week. <laughs> okay, well, guys, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to talk to our good friend, Mr. Nick Hamilton, when we come back on the Mighty at 90 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back, guys, to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Um, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in L.A., Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline at 310-400-0340. Also, guys, we have an email address. I know we're old school like that, but we do have an email address. Uh, please contact us at show at gmail.com. That is A-R-A-S-H-M-A-R-K-A-Z-I-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Okay, let's go to Circa Sports Guest Hotline, Circa Millions, and Circa Survivor Pro Football um, contest with 12 million in guaranteed prizes are back. Visit circusports.com for details. Um, and with that, we are so blessed to have the hardest working man in LA, hardest working man in um, Cali in general, Mr. Nick Hamilton. Nick, how you doing today? What's going on, guys? Oh, man. G. Hey, Diddy is, is the host in the day. <laughs> Try and do big things, man. That's what's up. <laughs> well, Nick, you know, we're going into week two. It's the Chargers versus the Kansas City Chiefs tonight. What a great matchup. What are your thoughts on this matchup tonight? It's definitely going to be a, a very challenging matchup, I think, for both teams. I mean, when you look at the Los Angeles Chargers, 
Uh, it's a game time decision for safety uh, J.C. Jackson, as well as there will be no Keenan Allen due to a hamstring injury. So that's going to make a, a little bit more difficult for Justin Herbert and that offense uh, to move the ball down the field. However, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and, and the role uh, that they played in, in week one, as far as Patrick Mahomes looking absolutely outstanding um, against, it seems like a depleted Arizona Cardinals team. Um, it was almost like watching Alabama take on some junior college team um, during their weeks of playing football. So now this is a true test for the Kansas City Chiefs. How will they stand up against the, the mighty Chargers defense without a playmaker in Tyreek Hill? Uh, that's going to be a uh, question that's going to have to be addressed. And then what can the Chargers do as far as moving the ball down the field without having their top-notch wide receiver, Keenan Allen? Um, how will Justin Herbert respond to the challenge in a hostile environment at Arrowhead Stadium on a Thursday night? Um, so this, it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I think it's going to be – it could be tight the first quarter. It's kind of, you know, both teams filling each other out. Um, so it would be a good – I think it would be a definitely – worth watching uh, type of game uh, on Thursday night. You couldn't have two better teams on a Thursday night with the Chargers and the Chiefs, AFC West. Yeah, Nick, I think this is the best game of the week. I really like that they're putting a lot of primetime games on its own day, whether it's Thursday or Monday. Personally, I don't love, like, after watching football all morning and afternoon, the 5.30 game. I know some people are old school and like the 5.30 primetime game. But I wanted to ask you about who's going to step up. I know Austin Eckler and Mike Williams, two of their stars, had bad, relatively bad weeks, especially Mike Williams, two catches for 10 yards. Austin Eckler, 14 carries, 36 yards, even though he was involved as a pass-catching back last game. Do you expect those guys to step up because Keenan Allen is out? And do you expect a Gerald Everett type of step-up? Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, who do you expect to have a big game tonight and keep the Chargers in this one? Well, definitely I expect the offense to step up. Obviously, Austin Eckler. Um you know, Mike Williams, uh, the O-line definitely making sure they protect Justin Herbert so he can get the ball down the field and continue to keep the drives alive. But also, too, I look at that Chargers defense. I mean, obviously, Khalil Mack coming off an impressive game against the Las Vegas Raiders last week. Uh, Joey Bosa, uh, guys like that that are definitely um, going to be significant as far as the defense and making sure they keep Patrick, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes on their heels and on, on his toes. Um, and then also, too, the, the secondary for the Chargers uh, is really going to have to step up um, and if J.C. Jackson cannot go tonight. So that's going to be an interesting matchup as well. So like I said, I, I would look at the Chargers defense more so than I would look at the offense as far as being able to control the tempo and making sure that Justin Herbert has golden opportunities uh, to score the, the, the football as far as being able to throw it or even him running it into the end zone himself. Nick, uh, looking ahead to Sunday, Hay and I, we are kind of surprised that our teams are 1-0, Giants and Bears. Uh, looking ahead to their games on so Sunday, <laughs> the Giants are hosting Carolina. The Bears are in Green Bay playing a Packers team that looked disappointing last week. How do you think that's going to play out? Do we have any hope for 2-0? and I mean, you can always have hope. I mean, you can roll the dice and you might not crap out. Uh, you know, so you got to always have a golden opportunity. But at the same time, um, I'm looking at the Giants, the Carolina matchup, especially now that Baker Mayfield is in Carolina, him coming off that loss against his former team in Cleveland. Um, how will he respond in week two? Uh, I know that was a game they definitely circled on the calendar last week. So, I mean, Saquon Barkley looked really well. I think I was very impressed by Saquon Barkley. 
Um, it's going to take the Giants a, a while to, to, to gel and really put it all together. Um, so I, I, I think that's going to be a very interesting game. I'm more interested in the Giants and the Carolina game more than I'm into the Bears and Green Bay because you're playing at Green Bay. We all know it's a very tough place to play. Um, so I don't think Aaron Rodgers goes down 0-2. I think Aaron Rodgers finds a way to, to get a win and um, be at 500 at the end of week two. Nick, it's good to talk to you once again. I know football is king and football is back, but the Dodgers just clinched the NL West for the ninth time in 10 years um, and are starting to look towards October. What is you know their biggest hurdle that they're going to need to to t- uh, overcome if they're going to make a World Series push? I know that they're you know far ahead of the rest of the National League, um, playing you know some of the best baseball in the MLB, uh, but they've been hit by the injury bug as of late. What do they need to do if they're going to make that late run? You ask me what's the biggest hurdle? His name is Craig Krimble. That's the biggest hurdle. Craig Kimbrell. That, that is their biggest hurdle. Um, first of all, congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The hunt for Blue October is, is now on. Um, that's a remarkable accomplishment. Nine nine times in ten years. I mean, that is a very uh, excellent Ram franchise. They made the right moves. Obviously, acquiring Freddie Freeman uh, in free agency definitely helped. Um, but guys have got to stay healthy. I think that the, the, the thing I look at is not only just the, in the relief, but I, the starters as far as on the mound, um, who's going to be healthy when it's time to go. I'm not concerned about the offense because we know the offense at any time can explode as we've seen throughout the course of the season. It can be any given name on any given day um, that can really drive in runs and help the team drive in runs. Uh, my concern is looking at the pitching staff um, obviously, the relievers, um, can they stay healthy? Can the pitching staff stay healthy? Um, and then what do they do down the stretch? Because do you start to rest guys now, um, you know, intermittently? Um, are you still going for home field advantage throughout the, the playoffs and then up into the World Series? Are you still going to play for that? You know, there's a lot of questions I wonder from Dave Roberts as far as his strategies. What is he, what is he going to do moving forward in order to keep guys healthy that he does have already healthy? But I tell you what. Um, you know, even though they lost in Arizona uh, last night, you know, Trace Thompson has been an absolute godsend to this team. Um, I think he's learned a great deal over the course of this season, obviously in his second stint with the Dodgers. He learned a lot from the first time he was with the Dodgers. He's been an integral part of this Dodger offense. We could talk about Freddie Freeman. We could talk about Mookie Betts. But also you can't forget talking about Trace Thompson and the threat that he is. Um, when he's at the plate. But, uh, uh, you know, as far as Mookie Betts is concerned as well, I think he's been the glue to held this, that, that has held this team together. Uh, his leadership as far as not being mo- the most vocal guy, but just throughout um, his level of consistency, um, his, his ability to be able to show uh, through his, his work ethic um, and being able to inspire other guys on that team to continue to give it their all in 100% while, they, while they're on the field. Uh, one more for you, Nick, about the Dodgers. Not knowing, you know, Tony Gonsolin's health, not really knowing what we're going to be able to get out of Dustin May. Who is your game one starter of a playoff series as of now? Wow. I think you have to go with Clayton Kershaw. I think Clayton is probably going to be your best bet right now. I mean, you know, you talked about Gonsolin. Uh, we don't know if Blake Trinan is going to return as far as just the middle relief is concerned at some point. Um there's a lot of question marks, um, but I think 
Um, if I'm looking at it from that perspective, I'd probably have to look at Clayton Kershaw and then hope to God that guys start coming back healthy um, to give, you know, to give you guys, you know, give it uh, some more support on the mound. But that would be my answer. Nick, in terms of what we've seen, going back to football really quick, in terms of what we've seen so far, and again, it's been one week in the NFC, who do you think is the is the team to beat at this current moment in time in the NFC? There is no team to beat right now in the NFC. It's still wide open. Um, I think you, you start to look at all three teams, the, the, the Packers, the Buck, the Bucks, and then the Rams. Um, Obviously, the the Bucks looked well because they had they they had a depleted Cowboys team um, with with and without Dak Prescott. Um, so we really won't know the measure of what they could have done if they had a healthy Dak Prescott still out on the field. Um, I don't think it would have been what was it nineteen to three when they won last Sunday night. Um, I don't think it would have been that much of a, of a margin as far as their win their win total. Um, but we won't know. Um, they have a tough. The Bucks have a tough game against them. They play the Saints this week. So that's going to yes. be a tough game. Um, the Saints have always given them their all every time they played each other. Um, so that's going to be a tough game. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for the Rams this weekend, too, against the Falcons, even though the Falcons are, on paper, not as talented of a team, um, even though they have former USC Trojan Drake London on the squad. Um, they're not as talented of a team. But given the circumstances that the Rams have dealt with uh, in week one, there's going to definitely be a test for them, not just physically, but mentally uh, to get back into the win column and at least be a 500 team at the end of week two. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Nick. I think it's going to be one of those things in the NFC where we don't know who the five best teams in the NFC are until like week 11 or week 12. It could take that long to really for teams to establish themselves in that conference versus like the AFC where we already know the juggernauts are the Bills, Chargers, Chiefs, you know. But I wanted to ask you about the Raiders. You know, they did play better as the game went on. I know they had Derek Carr through three interceptions, but... They were close against a really good Chargers team. What is your outlook on them and how they can finish maybe third in that division and squeak into a playoff uh, game? Because the Broncos don't look that good right now. Again, it's week one, so I don't want to overreact to the Broncos. What are your thoughts on the Raiders moving forward this season, especially this week? You know, you look, well, I mean, the, you look at Derek Carr, there's been a lot of criticism, and rightfully so at times, about Derek Carr and his decision-making. Obviously, I think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. He finally has a playmaker in Devontae Adams, which gives some freedom to Hunter Winfrow, which gives some free freedom to Darren Waller as well to be able to spread the ball around uh, where guys can't necessarily double team. They have to go maybe single coverage or play man um, and, and be able to say, OK, we got to take the, these guys head on. Um, but I think also, too, it's going to take time. You have a brand new head coach. There's a brand new system in play. Um, so it's going to take time, much like how we saw with the Denver Broncos, you know, making boneheaded picks. Uh, excuse me, boneheaded calls, rather, uh, when it came to down the stretch in the fourth quarter, um, not calling a timeout like everybody in their mama screamed out uh, for them to call a timeout or not to call a timeout uh, to be able to move the ball and advance the ball at some point. Um, you know, so costly mistakes like that are going to happen. You have a new head coach, you got a new system. It's going to take time to gel. But at the end of the day, like you said, with the NFC, I think it's going to take time 
for teams maybe week seven, week eight, maybe even week nine to figure out where teams truly are. And now we have a measuring stick of where they could potentially go and where they could potentially be. Um, it's going to be a dogfight in that AFC West. For the, for the first time, I think, in the last several years, I think the AFC West is probably one of the most dominant and, and tough conferences uh, we're going to see in football between the Chargers, Chiefs, and even the Raiders. Um, so it would be interesting to see how it, everything plays out. Um, you know, but the Raiders are going to be the Raiders. They may be able to sneak into a playoff spot if they can continue to remain healthy and, and figure things out. Um, and in the playoffs, they could be a very formidable opponent in the playoffs. You never know. Yeah, Nick, um, we talked about this on my podcast, The Sports Bar. Um, I want to switch over, even though football is king, like Jake said. Um, I want to switch over to the NBA and uh, the Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver. Um, what are your thoughts on this decision um, that, the, that the league made and then um, the, this overall <laughs> – looming unfortunate uh statement that the commission commissioner silver said that you know it's not his call what are your thoughts on that well first of all in the words of my man shannon sharp is a bunch of bull um as far as the call is concerned because there's no excuse or whether he was whether robert sorrows being jovial or not we are living in 2022 we live in a day and age where we know better what words and what phrases to use and not use whether you're being jovial or whether you're being serious. I don't feel that like he was being jovial again. I was not in the room, but based upon the transcripts that I was able to read, and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening uh, were able to be, uh, you know, privy to, there's no excuse. And I agree with LeBron James. There's no excuse for any type of misogynistic, sexist, racist behavior in the league. Uh, you 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 made sure that Donald Sterling got his team taken, and rightfully so. He should have had his team taken um, for those comments and basically just the history that Donald Sterling has had, um, you know, in, in basketball, away from basketball. And I think Robert Sauber is no different. Um, just because you don't have an audio recording does not mean that he's any less of an opportunity uh, to take his team. Shoot, I think we lost. Yeah, I think I think we lost Mr. Nick Hamilton. We'll try to get him back on the Zoom. But Jake, um, kind of want to know your thoughts as well, and what um maybe what everybody else thinks about the, this server thing as well. Like, um, let's 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 keep the conversation going. I think Jake is muted. We we do have Nick back though. Sorry okay. about that, guys. Um. No, but what I was saying as far as Robert Sauber is concerned, there's no excuse whether you have an audio recording or not. Um, it doesn't matter. People testify um, and gave their accounts of what they unfortunately had to experience at the hands of Robert Sauber. Um, and so there's no excuse why teams can't be taken. I didn't hear Adam Silver talk about he didn't have the power to take uh, Donald Sterling's team away from him. Then the main reason why that was is because sponsors started to pull out or threatened to pull out. Um, this is a situation where there weren't sponsors threatening to pull out. So there was no monies being lost, as it were. So I think that had a lot to do with the decision making of not banning Robert Sarver for life like they did with Donald Sterling. Um, the $10 million, uh, obviously, that's the most that they can find an owner, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um and not having him around for a year around the sun and the mercury is absolutely ridiculous. Um, there's no penalty. There was no punishment for a guy that continues to rake in revenue, especially when it comes to revenue sharing. 
uh, at the end of the season. So where is the real punishment here? There is none. Um, and I think now, unfortunately, it's going to be up to the players as far as what they're going to be able to do uh, moving forward. Will they protest? Will they have some uh, some form of protest when it comes to Robert Sarver? Because now it's up to the NBPA as well as the players um, as far as what they're going to do, if anything. Um, I'm not confident the players will be able to do anything. Um, I think it may go on as business as usual. But there's something to be said as far as <clears> – <throat> The NBA talking about being progressive and having, you know, being a part about of uh, equality and diversity. Um, this was definitely not a decision that does not reflect those values. Nick, got one more question for you, and I'm going to jump back to the NFL. <laughs> Out of the five, you know, second year quarterbacks that started in Week One, I know it's only Week One. Davis Mills, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Trey Lance uh, and Mac Jones, who were you most impressed with and who were you most disappointed with? Well, I, I'm not going to say I'm, I was impressed by any, because again, it's just week one. Um, you know, I think Trey Lance is going to take a lot more time. Everybody wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater because he didn't look as impressive as everybody thought he was going to look or hope that he would look, but it's going to take time again. It takes time. It takes adjustment. This is the guy's first starting role. <laughs> on an NFL franchise. I mean, you got to give the kid some time. Um, you can't get better on the bench. So this is his only opportunity to get better. He's going to take his bumps and bruises. Um, but I think as he continues to develop, as he continues to learn, understand the playbook, understand what's required of him, and the coaches continue to work with him. And it seems like, um, you know, Coach Shanahan is really have, has a lot of confidence in him uh, to lead that franchise. It's going to take time. Um, but you know, by Brandon said, by maybe week 10, week 11, we'll have a, a really good size of what, where these guys are. Yeah, Jimmy G is behind them, but I don't think it's it's the smart thing to do when he starts to, if he starts struggling to pull him and just say, okay, we're going to put Jimmy G in here. That shakes a young person's confidence. And I don't think they want to do that moving forward because once Jimmy G leaves, that's it. And then you're going to be, you're going to be forced to have Trey Lance at the helm of quarterback. So, um, I think it's just going to take time. And you said the other quarterbacks were? I had um, uh, Davis Mills, Justin Fields, and it'll run out a little. We've got a, just a few seconds left here, but if anyone that you were disappointed with? Um, just Davis Mills. I think I, I expected a little bit more out of Davis Mills. Um, Justin Fields is going to take time, so just a matter of time. But I think he's got to get some pieces around him, too. Justin Fields really doesn't have a lot of pieces around him, so they got to build that team up. <laughs> But that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow, guys. This is the Arash Marakazi show saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.